Hey everyone, and welcome to Are You There, Love? It's us, Danny and Izzy. Uh, I'm Danny. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. I am Izzy. I feel like I'm very tired. I like had a little nap. I had like a calming tea that like put me to sleep. I was watching TV with my roommate on the TV show we are going to talk about, which is also a book today. That didn't make any sense. I'm a little off kilter today. My brain's a little slow. That's okay. We're recording this on a Monday. So it just checks out that that's what's happening right now. Yeah. And I had a lot of illness in the past week. Well, I'm surprised you didn't elaborate this time because you elaborate every single episode. I mean, I feel like at this point, everyone knows the situation's coming out of my ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sad, sad to hear that, but we're going to poof those problems away, maybe, with our conversation today about A Discovery of Wishes by Deborah Harkness. Yes, I'm excited to chat about this book today. Can I, uh, I want to like give the readers a little background on like, not my journey with this book, but how I first started to read it because I read it when I worked at a bookstore. I'm, I think I've mentioned this in the pod, but for those listeners who are new, who need a little refresher, I'm going to also humble brag a little bit about my work experience at a bookstore. And yeah, so I worked at a bookstore for all of college, not college, ugh of high school and like a year or two of college it was at my hometown so like every time I would go on breaks I would work there and I obviously am a big fantasy reader but um, the book Discovery Witches I discovered it there it was a, a damaged copy I believe and then I just like took it and I started to read it and I enjoyed it and I was still in kind of like my phase where I liked Twilight, but it recognized the issue, but it still was like a twihard. And I was like, wow, this is like my step into the adult world. Like my first, I think this was my first adult fantasy book. Um, I don't remember. I mean, I remember, I, I don't remember specifically like really rereading it now. I like, I've been like, oh, I remember this scene, but I like still some things were blurry to me. But it's nice to, this is why it's so nice to reread a book a couple of years later. Cause like you recognize things that you might not have picked up on. Cause, um, I didn't pick up on many things reading it in high school that I have now, but that's kind of like my short history. So when we were deciding what, what to do for spooky season, um, I really wanted to do something around witches and it's actually perfect. Cause I went to Salem for the first time like two weeks ago. And obviously Salem's a big witch town. It's actually mentioned in the book too. So, and we had to do something about witches. Like we had to. Yeah. I actually, I've been to Salem twice during my time at BU. And the other day, actually, while I was reading this book, I got uh, my Snapchat memories from four years ago when I was in Salem. And I had a picture of um, the character in the main female character in Discovery of Witches is Diana Bishop. And I had the picture, the Bishop like um, tombstone, like memorial, like that picture came up on my memories on Snapchat. And I was like, whoa, like, Full circle, because I was literally in the middle of reading the book. Um, and I'm, I, I mean, I don't want to brand myself as someone who doesn't read fantasy at all, but I'm not as versed as Izzy. 
So she pitched <laughs> this book and we were kind of going through what we were going to hit this season, you know, because we got a plan. We got to like read these things and, you know, so we could talk about them with y'all or to y'all at least. And I remember reading the description for this one. And I was like, ooh, that sounds interesting. And Izzy pitched it to me. What did you say? It's a mix of Twilight and something else. It's like an adult Twilight. It's like a historical fiction Twilight kind of. Yeah, and I appreciate how the Salem Witch Trial stuff, like historical things, and it takes place in Europe, and I'm like, wow, in COVID times, I feel like I'm in another country. Like, that's nice, and a good yeah. read. Yeah, um, I, yeah, going to Salem and, like, seeing the Witch Trial Memorial, because um, the character, the main character in the book is Diana Bishop, and her father and mother's names are actually based. They're like actual people who unfortunately died in the Salem West trials. Well, not died, were murdered brutally. Um, so that was interesting because when I, I was when I went to Salem, I like recognized the name and I got like all nerdy and I was like, oh my god, like you know the names. Yeah. But that's what I love. Like you can go to like a place that um, and like recognize like book stuff in places. Like that's where I nerd out. Like I went to Oxford went in college and then I was like nerding out about all these Harry Potter stuff and it's just like it's I I don't know that's what I think it's so special that's what I love being a book nerd it's because you can go places and even if it doesn't have any significance or any tie to the book like you can nerd out being like there's many times where I'm like oh like this is exactly how I pictured like this one scene in the book or like this house reminds me of like this house described in this other book and I mean obviously there's a lot of historical like witchy fiction in the discovery witches books but yeah i'm like mm. yeah me, my experience reading this book i had to read the crucible in high school arthur miller's the crucible the play anyway the crucible i read that in high school is one of the only books i well i read a few of the books but some of the book the classics i didn't read so it was cool to read this book and then be like oh i remember reading about like Stephen Proctor and when I went to Salem I thought the same thing that was kind of like my literary reference point but it's definitely cool to go to these places and be like wow this is real I'm trying to think of an instance where that happened for me but I'm like having trouble looking at my bookshelf right now even though all my books aren't even here I mean like I'm looking at fangirl but that didn't make me have any desire to go to like Nebraska sorry Nebraska but (laughs) reading beach read uh that takes place in Michigan though I think, right, Michigan? Like yeah, Michigan. Michigan. Sounds like a nice place. That sounds like you've got it right. People we meet on vacation, they literally went all over the world. But I went to an author event with Emily Henry, and then she said she didn't go everywhere that she wrote about. So I'm like, hmm. Oh, that reminded me. I read People We Meet on Vacation and they're in Palm Springs and I was reading it when oh, I was yeah. in Palm Desert, which is the town over. So they were talking about like the Cabazon dinosaurs and like I haven't been there yet, but I would like pass like it's a roadside attraction. They basically say that in the book that it's like a crappy little like tourist trap. But uh, yeah, that's like what it is. And there were other things they were talking about. And I was like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. And when they were talking about it, it's like hot as hell. And that window is broken and they basically bang and it's like sweltering hot. I'm like, yeah, not banging, but it is sweltering hot here. So <laughs> yeah, that's me. If I ever, there's like certain places where I'm like certain cities that I very much associate with like literary fiction. Even in New York, I'm like, um, like, um, God, why am I blanking on their names? Dash and Lily. That's what I think of when I think of New York. No, I think of, um, oh my God, what if it's us? 
Uh, oh yeah. There are so many books that take place in New York. How did I not go like think of all those books? I mean, yeah. But um, we're talking about Discovery of Witches. So maybe we should read the Goodreads summary. Yeah. For those who have not read it. Hold on. Let me pull it up. Okay. Yes. The Goodreads summary. So, and excuse me if my voice is a little bit like vocal fry. I also napped before. Well, not like napped where it's like you kind of fall, fun, fall asleep in front of the TV. So it's not like really a nap. Mm-hmm. Anyways, the Goodreads summary. A richly inventive novel about a centuries-old vampire, a spellbound witch, and the mysterious manuscript that draws them together deep in the stacks of Oxford's Bodilian Library. Young scholar Diana Bishop unwittingly calls up a bewitched alchemical manuscript in the course of her research. Descended from an old and distinguished line of witches, Diana wants nothing to do with sorcery. So after a furtive glance and a few notes, she banishes the book to the stacks. But her discovery sets a fantastical underworld stirring, and a horde of demons, witches, and vampires soon descend upon the library. Diana has stumbled upon a coveted treasure, lost for centuries, and she's the only creature who can break its spell. Debut novelist Deborah Harkness has crafted a memorizing and addictive read, equal parts history and magic, romance and suspense. Diana is a bold heroine who meets her equal in vampire geneticist Matthew Claremont and gradually warms up to him as their alliance deepens into an intimacy that violates age-old taboos. This smart, sophisticated story harks back to the novels of Anne Rice, but is it it is a contemporary and central as the Twilight series with oh. an extra serving of historical realism. Okay, that last line got me central as the Twilight series. I would never describe the Twilight series as sensual. It was pretty sexy, wasn't it? I mean, I didn't no. read them, but the movies were kind of like... The movies saucy. were kind of like saucy because that's like at Hollywood. But the books, there was no explicit like... Mm, maybe like sensual and just like the intimate sense because like this book does really i think does a good job of really building the suspense and like of the relationship and getting like a strong foundation between being like because they're introduced the characters and diana doesn't even really know who matthew is and matthew's this notable researcher doctor and she doesn't even know who he is she just thinks he's obnoxious and it goes from being obnoxious to having respect for him to then being like friends and him being like her i don't want to say she was like a damsel in distress but kind of like protector because vampires are also protective creatures i hate that i hate that trope that really did rub me the wrong way throughout the book there are sometimes when i'm like please stop but she serves it right back to him it's like i don't need you but then like her her pushing back like the nature of the vampire he gets angry and it gets kind of scary you know yeah it's just that it plays into that patriarchal trope of like men needing to be the protectors and dominant and aggressive Mm -hmm. which is fine not it's not fine but i mean there's a way to like navigate that trope without it leading to toxicity and i think that's what it leads to and like i feel like sometimes when we talk about 
characters like oh pushing back like diana does like even if she pushes back that's still not like a healthy portrayal of a relationship i don't know like what do you think yes i agree because it would rub me the wrong way and i'm like how will this play out in the long run because also it's dangerous for her to push back because i don't think he's doing it in a condescending i'm the male protector way to just the nature of like second nature of vampires to be that way and it is patriarchal but at the same time like the women vampires in the story are the same way so at least it's not mutually exclusive to the male like vampires but there's a few questions i have about the long-term sustainability of this relationship in that regard because diana is such a strong character and that gets her in trouble often throughout the book and then my other thing is long term like is she gonna turn into a vampire or like they're gonna be together and then like 50 years she'll just naturally die and then he'll be alone forever yeah i don't know because i mean and one plot point in the book is that there is no like interspecies talking about witches vampires and demons which are like the three magical species in the book like there's not supposed to be any like interspecies like dating or like relationships and that's like a big plot line in the book that like a witch and a vampire are dating or together in love whatever but yeah i always like question the longevity of their relationship because it's like why should she need to become a vampire to be with him unless she wants to do that which is perfectly fine but that's I a mean, huge sacrifice and if she does that is she no longer a witch or could she be a witch and a vampire i don't think it would be pretty dope i don't think it would be both which is why i hated twilight so much i'm like oh because bella was such a pushover and like that relationship was so toxic where it's like i i don't know i just hope she doesn't i mean i just hope that it isn't so because we're not as far into the series like we didn't read the whole series but I mean, yeah, I like Diana because she's like, she does call Matthew out. I like my favorite thing, in, especially in the beginning of the book, um, when they first start to get to know each other, he like opens the car doors for her and she's like, you know, I can do that myself. Like, you know, chivalry, you don't have to do that. Um, yes. I also appreciate that. I agree because it's like, no, you don't have to. But like when a guy does it, it's really nice. Like I had this one friend, um, he came to visit me in Boston, like, oh, when was this like summertime oh it was in august because that was his birthday and then like we were walking down the street and he was like like switch positions because i was walking on the outside and he was walking on the inside and he was like oh you know it's just like a chivalrous thing to do to like walk on the outside because that's the potentially like more dangerous position on the street and i was like well like what if i don't want you to be like potentially in danger either so it was like a whole debate but it's like i don't need a guy or a girl to be chivalrous but i like it it's cute Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Like, I don't ask for it or have the expectation, but I also just think everyone should be nice all around. Like, everybody should just hold doors open for people. It's a nice thing to do. But it would be nice if a significant other, someone I was seeing in my life, did little things. Like, yeah, held doors open for me and, um, I don't know. What else is chivalrous? Um, Oh, my favorite thing. Brought me flowers. I don't know. My favorite thing, I saw an older couple do this, like, and I always remember it was so cute. It's like the same notion of like when you're walking on the street, like when you're crossing the road, like if we're talking about heteronormative relationships, like the guy is supposed to be on the outside next to the cars. Um, and then the woman's supposed to be inside. So I saw an old an older couple walking and then right as they were crossing the street, the guy like smoothly like took her not like took her, but like 
you know, like shifted position. So he was like on the outside and also like that protective hand someone like puts on your back sometimes, like when they oh, like, the small of your back. Yeah. That's cute. Yeah. I like that. It's cute, but also like, mm. it's not, cute, not a bad, like a, mm, like yeah. a mm. I think it's so cute. <laughs> yeah. I feel like when I like, I try to be chivalrous with my friends, like regardless, like, you know, gender, whatever. Um, and I find it so awkward sometimes when you're with a guy and you're like holding the door open and he's just like, you can kind of see his like innate socialization to be like doing this action. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see that like, I can sometimes see that like internal conflict being like, oh wait, no, I should get the door for you. And I'm like, nope, just go. I think the like the power dynamic, the power of like switching, like gender bending that notion makes me, gives me a high. Yeah. I like confusing men. That's yeah, for sure. Essentially. And what better and witches have con- confused men for ages so yeah oh, diana's so cool oh so this is well i mean this has to do with the book this is kind of another thought off of i don't understand the sustainability of said relationship in a sense so vampires obviously blood right if you bang there's like a good chance of like you know blood or some something like coming out somewhere so how would a vampire not like then like freak out you know is that gross because i had that thought many times over reading this book <laughs> i'm dying so like what if a vampire had sex with a bird not a virgin but what if a vampire had sex with someone who a female whose hymen hadn't ripped so as they were having sex like what if that's what i'm saying yeah and like their blood and then literally the vampire goes to eat her pussy and also like suck her pussy blood (laughs) like i'm not saying that's what i was thinking but i am saying that's what i was thinking or like this episode is gonna be like vampire sucking pussy blood or something like this yeah or like even just like okay when people make out sometimes they do like the lip biting thing like what if you just bite a little too hard i'm thinking also about like period sex like what if you want to have period sex or like just how do you deal with menstruation naturally her like he's like he throughout the book like matthew witches have like a scent everybody in general has like a very strong scent to vampires and very identifiable and diana's is like extra strong and she like glitters i'm like okay this girl's like you know on her period like i'm sure this man smells that i feel like he it would be like 10 times as powerful like the scent or like her power and i just like love seeing love thinking or like seeing and like matthew just like go crazy like when diana's on her period he's like i don't know but like yeah that's like that's like this these are like the plot holes that i think about so like what does a vampire do if the hymen breaks and during period sex Maybe how Diana's done. She's a vampire. There's no way. But I was wondering, like, would if you're if you're a demon or a witch, like, I don't. Could you turn into a vampire? Like, would something in your magical blood from like being already another species like prevent you? Like, if you okay. Also, I'm thinking about Twilight because the the uh, werewolves wouldn't be able to turn into vampires. They would just die. Uh, I don't know. I think I don't remember. I don't know. These are the things we think about. Like I just need to know. So Deborah Harkness, if you hear this, let me know the answer because I need to know. Yeah. Even like I mean, yeah. 
interspecies in, like fantastical creature interspecies dating i think the rules are dumb because i the, i so you telling me a witch can date a human over dating a vampire like i feel like another magical creature would make more sense than a regular human and also talk about like shared life experiences like granted witches and vampires are very different but like you know they deal with the hiding and the having to deal with like these otherworldly powers and stuff like a human can't relate you can't even probably tell a human that you're a witch and then if you do then you probably have to eventually if you have kids and then i don't know maybe maybe this has to do with offspring because if you like are a vampire and a witch and you procreate like will your child be double powerful whereas if you're a witch procreating with a human like you just have like a less powerful child or something like what is the deal well i mean i guess that's part of the issue that is brought up in the book where diana's parents were like both powerful witches and like their relationship was kind of forbidden or like being like you both are from very strong witch lineage so if you procreate then like you're gonna have like a super powerful witch and i guess it'd be similar to um to like a vampire and a witch but also i think there's like an interesting component that is brought into this book it's like it's not only about like history and magic it's also about science well and i think that's kind of cool because matthew's a geneticist so it's like talking about the mixed genes of like vampires and witches and it's like well you know, in order to survive, a species needs to procreate and they need to pass on genetic material and because of natural selection and all the g- and gene mutations like that it need- is necessary to, happy for, uh, to happen for something to survive. So yeah, I don't know. There's all these like, questions I never thought I would like. I think this is one of the more like academic stimulating books. And I kind of appreciate that like she's such an academic yeah, I thought it was very interesting instead of being a fantastical, I mean, I totally respect a fantastical world entirely created and like made by the author with its own rules. But in instance like this, where I feel it was so much more researched and layered with historical narratives and like real scientific facts. And like, I feel like I was reading and also learning dash reliving my high school science experience um, and like history experience, just bring it all together with a fantastical fictional narrative, which was pretty cool. Maybe because we just read Addie LaRue, but I feel like it gives me like Addie LaRue vibes too, where it's like you have the history aspect, but then you also have this like magical realism and I kind of like the I mean I do appreciate a good fantasy book when you're just immersed in the universe but like I always do like the the bit of like magic in the modern world vibes and I mean and this book I think it takes place in like what 2000 mid 2010s and like I don't know this has been only one of my criticisms of the book um not to criticize Diana's outfits but like the way the outfits are described and like the others it's just like very mid 2010s style vibing through the book that's when it was written wasn't it like 20 like that's when the book was written right yeah i think so yeah i mean she just sounds like she dresses like librarian like to me well she i mean there's nothing wrong with a pantsuit that obviously diana's a big fan of um but in the tv show diana's style is like very modern pantsuit i appreciate that Mm, i don't like pantsuits that's just me though 
for my style i yeah yeah, my style does not fit pantsuit vibes um but yeah i i think i really enjoy this book because of the historical fiction aspect well not that i can't be fully immersed in a fantasy series because obviously like i read the hunger games and i enjoy fantastical movies and stuff but it just like it's a little like because you like historical fiction yeah like that's one of my go-to genres so Mm -hmm. to have that inter integrated into this book is very nice now i'm gonna recommend all these historical fiction fantasy books to you honestly sounds good i'm i want to like read this whole series though i was telling izzy before we hopped on this call my fun fact find at the local barnes and noble the other day that i was in i saw the box set for the all souls trilogy and i was looking at it because i was like "Ooh, this is nice like hmm be cool to get this and i looked at it and it had two copies of the second book in it and one copy of the third book. And it was supposed to have the first, second, and the third book. And I was like, what? And I was like, I'd be a very salty, sad shopper if I picked this up and got screwed with two copies of, what is it, Shadow of Night or something is the second book? So then I was a kind soul um, waiting for karma to come back for me as I gave it to the bookseller and said, hello. Uh, this is a packaging mishap with two copies of the second book. So please take this off the shelf for the next person. They're like, wow, never seen that before. So I that's my fun fact. Love that fun fact. I love packaging errors, except like I would not like to, I think it would be, I actually opened a box of cookies the other day and I didn't realize there was one cookie missing, but it was like in the last like tray of the cookie box. So you only would really know until you like got to the end. And then I felt like if I had went to the grocery store and claimed like, oh, there was one cookie missing. They like wouldn't believe me because of like you ate all the cookies. And I'm like, yeah, but there was one missing. But then again, I feel like sometimes they don't care. Or you could go in and there's those brands that are that um do the like, if you're not satisfied, double your money back guarantee yeah i mean i don't so this was a trader joe's cookie and i was like "Mm." is it a jojo no it was they have these new sunflower sun butter cookies so freaking they're so good um yeah i mean also hot tip as a former trader joe's worker um you literally can return anything there and they'll take it you don't even need like a receipt as proof like they have such a crazy return policy. Like even now I like return stuff like all the time that I haven't used. Like it's been sitting, like I had a vegan cream cheese that's been sitting in my fridge for like ever and I returned it. I got my money back. Like just go return stuff. Get your money back. They don't care. Like they, they'll ask like, like they'll ask like no questions at all. Like just go and return it. Good to know. I was at Trader Joe's yesterday. I've been trying to grocery shop like once every week and a half to two weeks. And I'll spend like a hundred to one hundred fifty dollars. I think that's pretty good. Yeah, last week and a half, two weeks. So that's what I've been doing. And then I bought myself a mini bouquet of flowers that is sitting on my windowsill because. I saw those. Oh my god. Yes, there was like rose, red roses in it and like yellow sunflowers and it was very fall vibes. And I love roses and I love sunflowers and like reds and yellows and burnt oranges. And so this bouquet was perfect. So I was very excited about it. Um, So actually another fun part about like this, I guess, series, but I don't know what do you like a universe now franchise because they did make a TV show out of it. Is the TV show still on or did it end? Um, yeah, it's on season three, actually. So yeah, that's actually what I was doing before I hopped on this recording was that me and my roommate, we watched the first three episodes of the TV show. Um, 
And I must say, I am thoroughly enjoying it. The actor who plays Matthew Claremont, and I love that name, Matthew Claremont. Oh, what a cutie patootie. Oh my God. He's oh, so cute. Love. Is and this even, a British show? Yes. And okay. I don't know why I really enjoy British shows, but like they have good quality. Um, And even the actress who plays D- Diana, she's so pretty. I'm just like thoroughly enjoying it. And it's pretty good to the book. I mean, the first three episodes probably take you like a quarter of the way through the book, maybe a little bit more. Oh. Um, But would highly recommend watching the series even though it took us forever to like actually find how to watch the series because it's a british show um i think it was on hulu but then it must have been taken off hulu but you can watch the first episode for free on amazon which is what we did and then we got so invested in it that i started a free trial of like amc plus which is like oh, where oh my gosh wow dedication we... yeah so that's what we're going to be doing for the next like week or two. Just like trying to finish the episodes before I have to pay for the whole trial. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, it's Teresa Palmer. She was in, um, what she was in like a Nicholas Sparks movie. I think one of yeah. them. Hold on. Yeah. She sounds familiar to me. I literally don't. None of these actors were familiar to me. Actually, there was one actor who played, um, a demon. I don't remember the name, but he's, a lead now on a CW show called All American. Also amazing show. It's kind of like, oh, Naomi loves All American. You need to introduce us. So I, can, I need to talk to someone about All American. I freaking love it. It's like a better Friday night life. Oh yeah, that's literally what it is. She loves it. Naomi loves the show. She had me, we hung out the other week um, and we watched the first four episodes together. It was pretty good. She wants me to continue watching. So I need to get on that. Yeah. Um, the actress was in... The Choice, the Nicholas Sparks movie, The Choice. Um, um, my mom got me this book way back when for Christmas, and I read um, The Choice. It also has Alexandra Daddario in it. Um, I'm pretty sure someone's like a veterinarian. There's a, oh, then it's like a frenemies to lovers vibe, and the neighbor guy is like a vet, and she has like a dog or something. Mm-hmm. I know there's some bonding over like him taking care of her, like fixing her dog, like because the dog is sick. I don't know. Anyway, is, is it called the choice because she needs to make the choice whether the dog lives or dies? I don't remember why it was called the choice. Um, Probably has something like, "Oh, I choose you. You're my choice." Choice. I don't remember. I I have the book at home. I would reread it. It was pretty good. Now that I'm thinking about it, the guy in the choice gave me like Bo from Dumplin' Vibes. They're like two birds with the same feather. Hmm. So anyway, um, all I would guys, like to watch this show. What were you going to say? I don't know. Uh, all the guy actors are like exactly my type, like dark emo British, like oof, like a 1975s band vibes. Not like a Harry Style vibes, but like. Like emo grunge? Like is he yeah. dirty? No, he's just like posh and British, but like emo business casual, I guess. <laughs> mm, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. Matthew Good is the actor's yeah. name. Yeah, which is funny because they're both the main character is Matthew and the actor is Matthew. Oh, see, I don't know if he's my type. He's definitely my type. But I feel like I'll watch the show and then I will. The one who plays his like vampire son, not son kind of i don't know oh, the whole, what was like, his name in the book marcus or something marcus the actor who plays marcus is exactly my type marcus i'll have to look him up 
also this guy was in the crown for anybody who watches the crown i watched the crown the whole um so like part of the part of the book it talks about like the vampire like family tree lineage like oh like you're my mother if like you make like me a vampire that whole thing was so confusing because i'm like i don't know i just got confused not confused i get it because it's like a pseudo mom especially since like the real mom like will not be like around like for the like your mom's like not a vampire she won't live forever but okay can vampires procreate then if she's like saying oh you're my vampire son well i mean okay could she she, like have a kid like i don't know well i don't think they could have children but like i feel like they do my what i got from the book is that you would pass on genetic material like that's how kind of vampires procreate is like making another vampire because like you would use the vampire by sucking their blood like you can't have you cannot procreate by having sexual relations as a vampire yeah you would just use your blood because you would pass on like your vampiric genetic material to the person you're making a vampire because do vampires even have like blood in them like because matthew's like heart like beats every like once in a while like that's a whole thing in the book it has- like, when they make out she's like i felt his like a singular heartbeat or something <laughs> <laughs> it's like one atrium um, yeah literally this is like so this is stuff that i'm intrigued by but also i need more clarity i have to go back and revisit because i'm like now i'm like all these questions about like you know small details it's like it's it's also i think that's a credit to the author that we're so intrigued by this like notion of like vampire genetics yeah oh my gosh maybe we'll be able to interview her next Imagine. i would i would love to see because i mean like we said it's like very historical so she should it seems like she did a lot of like well like researched topics so i was I would be interested in like yeah I want to know like how she ended up like with this story and all yeah. the research and how long it took for her to get it like together I'd also be interested to learn about how it was adapted into a tv show like that's cool I always think book to movie or book to tv show adaptations are so interesting because it's like stuff that I look for but that what I look for may not be the most important thing that the they want to convey to the audience like small scenes or like small moments where I think we're so significant end up like not being like what do you give and what like nuances or like what part of the story do you give up to like adapt it to tv or movies I think specifically with television shows the difference between television shows and movie adaptions I feel like a movie is the whole obviously like usually one book right mm-hmm. but a tv show like this show is three books over however much time and like how do you decide how you're going to space it out like how do you decide what's going to go into a 30 minute to an hour episode like a chapter like yeah like I don't how do you decide what is the rational best way to space a book out into a multi-part tv series you know yeah at least it gets more freedom to like include stuff I kind of like that um but my thing is like with having with Game of Thrones and Pretty Little Liars is that then it gets so popular that they start to like deviate from the original like books and movie plot li- um books plot lines and like that gets frustrating because like it just is for monet it's literally for nothing more but for monetization so it's like if you could stay true to like the books 
like like doing like a book adaptation I feel like a limited series types of vibes is like what I would aim for mm-hmm. yeah I agree there are just like any tv show in general I feel like if you take too many creative liberties with it and just do things to keep it popular and relevant that it just gets bad yeah yeah but um back to discovery of witches what was like your favorite part of the book mm, I don't know I well there is that scene I don't I don't well this is also because I've been gone so I I've I've been listening to the audio version I'm just there I haven't reread the entire scene yet but like when they first decide to be intimate um there's a I don't know if I'm also remembering this correctly because I'm literally just there in the audiobook right now because it's it's also like a 24-hour audiobook so like that's a long audiobook um but there's a scene when they first decide to like go for it and like um fuck the congregation like they're like we want to be together and they're like want to fuck um it's like they like cuddle naked and it's just like so intimate and like I thought it was like the sexiest thing ever like they were just both cuddling naked and Matthew's like we don't they didn't to- bang no because Matthew was like oh we have all the time in the world to bang let's just be intimate and get to know each other's bodies oh, <gasps> oh was- because there's another part he's kind of like when they're making out in the hallway and they're about to like part ways like earlier in the book before he decides to go like he has to go back to oxford because um oh my god what is his name that evil like vampire that used to be his friend like comes yeah. to warn them um like warn but also threaten i forget his name basically the night before like the whole covenant and everyone like detected the sexualness of their relations it basically felt like and then this guy was like y'all can't bang um <laughs> anyway um, so he goes back to Oxford because he needs to like figure it all out and he's very like obviously as we said protector like of Diana but that night before like they were getting hot and heavy with the making out and then he kind of put a pin in it because he was like oh like we have all the time you know xyz and then she internally got a little butthurt being like oh but does he I want to bang you? you like I want to bang you and like does he not feel the same way and then the next day she got bitter after the whole interaction because she was like oh it wasn't because he didn't want to like do stuff with me it was because he knew of this age old rule that vampires and witches can't have relations yeah so yeah that was saucy yeah we love a little smut smut so mm-hmm. but um what's your favorite part i like i like all the scenes when they're together you want to know what i find very interesting about this book i like because it like it's mostly diana's narrative like her point of view mm-hmm. and then look like a random chapter from like matthew's point of view i yeah. thought that was weird um and i like diana's point of view better um yeah. just because i don't know um but i like when like the whole when they're at the castle like his home mm-hmm. um she had just spent the whole day with his mom well his vampire mom mm-hmm. i found that very interesting her trying to imp- not impress but like trying to get a gauge of like what the heck is happening here and she's learning a lot about matthew through her because mm-hmm. he doesn't tell her diddly squat yeah and I like that because I, there's like, I like this because at first she like hated Diana or not hated her. She just had all her guard up. So it's nice watching her guard come down and be like, ah, Matthew's like this. Matthew's yeah. like this. 
I'm going to teach you all about him. That was sweet. I also liked the caretaker or like the maid who would make to, um, who made Diana all that tea. I'm like, that's what I need right now. Someone just to make me tea 24-7. Oh my God, yes. And the food. I thought it was very sweet how she's like, because vampires don't eat real human food. Yeah. She would make her like a feast. And Matthew was like, oh, she loves to cook anyway. Like th- this is her passion. So that is sweet oh i also thought it was really interesting and sad when matthew like left and she was crying but it's like witch tears or something oh yeah like which literally yeah witch water and she's drowning in the place out drowning in tears yeah i thought that was really interesting and they kind of just like watched her because they had to let her calm down otherwise she could have destroyed the whole place with her power i like that i would do witch tears because then i wouldn't be afraid to cry i have this like innate thing where like my and my family we like didn't cry i mean we were allowed to it's not like we were allowed to cry we just like didn't cry um so i don't like to cry now but if i could like drown people with my tears like hell yeah i'd be sobbing 24 7 no one would mess with you yeah no one would make me cry yeah because I would drown them. Yeah, and I think that'd be fun. Mm-mm-mm. So does this make you like want to read the other books? Yeah, I think it's just very slow. It's very long. And oh yeah, the Libby copy is over a thousand pages. Yeah, like the audiobook is like twenty four hours. Like so, it's like long, and I like it. But you also, it's not an audiobook I could really listen to at work because it's like a lot of detail and like information that's kind of sometimes hard to sift through especially when they're talking about like the historical aspects. So I would be, I don't know if I would continue to read the second book, but it also all depends. It all depends. So we'll see. I mean, I'm not, I'm going to call myself out on the bus. Like I'm not a hundred percent done with the book, even though I did read it before. I just don't remember. It was such a long time ago. I don't remember, but if the action picks up, then yeah. Mm. Cause it, it's like, it's slow for me, you know? I think it's very slow moving, but I like not very, it's kind of slow, but I like the plot. So I want to read them all. It's, I think it's just going to take a while. Yeah. They're hefty. And like you said, it's not something you could kind of listen to while you're working or it's not something I feel like you could read right before bed, like as you're half like asleep because it just requires so much thought and processing. Like there are a few times I was reading it before bed and then I picked it up the next day and I had to reread some of the previous stuff because before I put it down, I was like half tired and didn't process everything. So to our dear listeners out there, make sure you are fully there while you're reading this book if you decide to pick it up. But I do recommend like it's not like it's a really good book. Mm-hmm. it's very well written and like the research is there the, and I think like with the pacing maybe it is a little slower but I really feel like my investment in the character storyline is there and that's something that's really important to me like a strong foundation so this is Danielle advertising a fantasy book and I'm just like is here enjoying that because the amount of fantasy that I like would be like you should read this you should read that I, I finally found one that she's enjoying yes yeah uh, yeah so kudos to izzy for picking this one out and it's definitely getting me in the mood for spooky season so i know it's right around the corner so mm-hmm. i'm so excited i'm already there i have a little pumpkin gourd on my desk right here and i brought one into work too um, i'm all about that spooky yes i have my harvest fall tea from trader joe's i have a mini cinnamon broom in here bought myself that fall bouquet of flowers so i feel you 
Mm-hmm. Started getting my Halloween costume together this weekend. What are you going to be for Halloween? I didn't tell you yet. No, we haven't really talked in a bit. Oh my gosh, I'm going to be um, Danny Phantom. Danny Phantom. Uh- <laughs> uh-huh. Also, it's funny because I always talk about how I think Danny Phantom's like really hot for a cartoon character. Um, so all around such a funny thing to for me to be. So I started gathering that this weekend. Um, and so I'll be a ghost. So I'll like go some white Doc Martens. What would be like more modern? I'm going to wear, I have these tall white um, heeled boots actually that I already have that I'm going to wear. And or if I wanted to make it modern, I already have like sleek white, like, to, yeah. oh, you've seen them, my white Converse. Yeah. So my friend Angel has, oh my God, Angel listens to the podcast too. Hey, Angel. Angel has these really cool white Doc Martens with like black laces. They're awesome. I love them. I think I complimented them the other week. She lives in LA. So I will not be dressing up. I don't know. So I'm supposed to go to my cousins for Halloween because I promised them her kids I would. And I want to be, I want to be a Tia that keeps their promise. Then I'm like, should I dress up? Because they, I don't, they might go trick or treating. So I'm like, do I bring a costume? Or I mean, I already basically have everything for a witch. Um, but I'm like, that's kind of boring. Be Diana Bishop. I could. That's a very nuanced. I was like, I have a, I have a, I have a black dress that's like skin tight and like long. And I'm like, oh, I could just get like a black something to wear over my head. I could be like Kim Kardashian at the Met Gala. LOL. Yeah, you could. Yeah. But then I'm like, that might be hard to see. Yeah. And also if you're like trick-or-treating with children, like they won't get it. Yeah. Or maybe they will. Everybody knows Kim Kardashian nowadays, but maybe they won't be as invested. I feel like they'd be, they'd want you to be, what's a popular character for kids? I don't know. Something from Frozen. I know they're going as like Star Wars characters or something. So I was like, I don't know Star Wars well enough to like join in for a yeah. costume. Maybe I'll be just be the force. <laughs> I'll just like write on my t-shirt, like the force and I'll do it. Be the force. I would love that. Very meta. Mm, yeah. Very commentary. Um, anyways, um, so Danny, where can people find us? Oh my gosh. Thank you for asking. So y'all, if you love listening to us talk or seeing our faces or our random commentary on anything in the bookish community, and maybe even sometimes other things, you can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Danny and Izzy, or you can email us at Danny and Izzy at gmail.com. That's D-A-N-I-A-N-D-I-Z-Z-I-E. We love hearing from you. So hit us up anytime. Yes. Um, and have a, well, this is coming out the Monday before Halloween, but I guess I have a ha, 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 I can't sleep. I'm like falling asleep right now. Um, I don't know. Okay. Goodbye. <laughs>